2: I remember my mum saying that, you know, seeing my legs on national television was not what she envisioned my life to be. And I was just like, it's about time you, you know, confront your fears. And sometimes it is good to ease an audience into stuff. And sometimes it's good just to shock them.
1: Hey y'all, and welcome to UnLadylike, the show that finds out what happens when women break the rules. I'm Kristen.
3: I'm Caroline, and this is the third and final episode in our mini series, How to Wear Body Hair.
0: Gillette for Women. Yes, I'm are you ready to feel soft, feel smooth, feel beautiful? Yes, Gillette for Women. Are you ready?
1: Yes, I'm ready. so caroline our driving question for this whole shebang has been how do we choose our body hair choices and what have we learned so far oh
3: my god so much in our first episode we learned how and why girls start shaving and last week we uncovered some major blind spots in feminist body hair politics
1: Today, we're closing out the series with spoken word artist and accidental body hair activist, Sukjeet Kaur Khalsa.
2: So I've got long, curly, thick black locks. got thick black underarm hair and quite long leg hair. And then I've got some, like, nipple hairs. Not that anyone can see that, but uh, they exist. And, of course, I've got some snail trail that leads us to the pubes the beautiful carpet of Tasmania.
3: Okay, beautiful carpet of Tasmania is possibly the best pubes tagline I've ever heard. Totally agree. And so, Sukhjeet is a first generation American Sikh, and, and her parents immigrated from India a few years before she was born. We're wrapping up our series with Sukhjeet because she confronted all the body hair taboos we've investigated in this mini series, not just by choosing a radical choice, but by breaking the silence and raising her voice. And not just in feminist safe spaces or to trusted friends, like, she spoke her
1: body hair truth on national television.
3: What's your name?
2: My name's Sip Jeep. How old are you? I'm 21. And what are you going to do for us tonight? I'm going to do some spoken word poetry.
1: Do you? That spoken word and so much more as we find out what does it really take to tame the shame and confront the female body hair taboo head on.
3: Okay, y'all, quick backstory. So Sookjeet appeared on Australia's Got Talent, you know, like America's Got Talent, but in Australia. And this is a clip of a pre-performance interview with her from the show.
2: I'm a feminist and I'm a Sikh and I don't remove my hair for nobody. And I don't care what society thinks. I'm going to parade my hairy legs wherever I want. Hair isn't sexy.
1: Suchi sounds super confident in this like pre-taped interview, but she was actually super nervous because she still had to go out and perform live on stage
2: in front of, you know, her whole country. Standing on that stage with short shorts and my dad in the audience and all I could think about was, oh my God, Sikhs are going to see this oh my God, Sikh's going to see this. Sikhs as in her entire religious community. I grew up in a house that practiced the Sikh philosophy, the Sikh lifestyle, and one of the parts of that lifestyle were not to shave, not to remove hair. So hair on your head, hair on your body. There were no razors. There was no exposure to that.
3: I just thought white girls didn't have leg hair. In Sukjit's religion, uncut hair is a sacred expression. It symbolizes holiness and strength. And that goes for everybody.
1: Like keeping kesh, which is the practice of not altering your head-to-toe hair in any way, is something that both men and women are expected
3: to follow in the Sikh faith. Yeah, because gender equality is a hallmark of Sikhism. There aren't separate rules for men and women. It's not like a boys or priests and girls or nuns situation. Caroline, the entire history
1: of Sikhism is
3: fascinating, and I could
1: seriously talk to you about it all day. But in the tiniest nutshell, it was founded in Northwest India in the 15th century, and it rejected the caste system, it emphasized gender equality, and the God that they follow is genderless. And then about 300 years ago, keeping your kesh, or uncut hair, became an article of faith for initiated Sikhs, both men and women alike.
2: I think the biggest, most universal reason that I think Sikhs wouldn't remove their hair is about accepting one's body. This is the will of nature. When you shave, it's going to grow back. Unless you get laser and even then, there's chances it will grow back. So if you're going against nature, and this goes you know, with many things to do with body modification. So Sikhs in general wouldn't really believe in body modification. So that could include tattoos, earrings, boob jobs, I don't know, butt jobs, like all those, <laughs> all, all, jobs. Those, all <laughs> the jobs. And like there's many, you know, fifth largest religion in the world, many Sikhs out there who are going to have very different opinions. But I feel like the spiritual, the accepting, You know, one's body, the will of God, if that's how people want to word it.
1: Caroline, we should mention that hair holds a sacred meaning in a lot of other faiths, too. You've got, like, Buddhist monks and nuns who actually shave their heads. Or you have uh, rules about hair coverings for women in the Jewish, Muslim, and Mennonite faiths. But, you know, as far as I know, Kesh is unique to Sikhism. Like, it's rare for even, like, any secular cultures to prefer all natural.
3: Everywhere, Exactly. But even so, kesh isn't something that you flaunt. Like, Sikh women are still expected to dress modestly, which means that body hair below the neck is going to be more or less covered up. My mom, she would cover her hair on, the, on her head.
2: And she had hairy legs, but she didn't expose them. Like, she'd just wear... Um, you know, sylvaa kameezas, she'll wear Punjabi outfits to cover that because, you know, India and Pakistan come from a very conservative society, so covering your body is also a very normalised thing.
1: So growing up as a young girl in a Sikh household – Sukjit did not imagine hairy women as grizzly bears like we heard from 11-year-old Vera in our first body hair episode. Like women in her family might have covered their legs, sure, but it it wasn't a
3: big deal that they might have been hairy underneath. Then the first day of eighth grade happened, which in Australia is actually the start of high school. Sukjit was 12.
2: The first time I became aware of my body hair was when I was in the sunken garden at Leeming Senior High School and the sun was gleaming on my thighs and I was wearing these school shorts that were so short and Joel Whitney, who was a boy that I liked at the time, he goes, oh, my God, whoa, you've got the hairiest legs in the world. And he pointed and I looked down and I saw
3: my hairs for the first time. Sookjeet was devastated. She couldn't unsee those hairs or unhear the names her classmates started to call her, things like Gorilla Girl or Hairy-Legged Monster. And I remember walking
2: across the Oval, because I used to walk home with Katrina Markey, and she could tell that something was wrong. And she was trying to cheer me up, but she didn't know how to quite fully understand, because I knew when I would go home, I wouldn't be allowed to shave. This was literally Sukjeet's second week of high school,
1: but she was so scared of more bullying that she refused to go back to school the next day and the next day and the day after that. Y'all, Sukjeet stayed out of school and in bed
2: for two weeks. I was like, I don't want this. Why do we have this? This isn't cool. I don't want to be a Sikh. This is disgusting. I hate my body. I hate my hair. I hate my skin. Suki's mom didn't understand, but when she finally spilled the beans to her
1: brother, he was like, Look, if it's so important to you, why don't you just shave? And ultimately, her mom was also like, It's fine by me, but I'm going to pretend that I don't know anything.
3: And Kristen, Sukjit's not the only Sikh girl dealing with these tensions. The kesh debate comes up over and over again on Sikh lifestyle sites and feminist blogs. Yeah, in one post we read called Resisting the Razor, uh,
1: one contributor mentioned how she was the only girl at her Sikh camp who had started shaving, and she was shunned by the other girls because she wasn't keeping kesh. But meanwhile, there were other contributors talking about how it was Female family members in particular who encourage them to groom their visible body hair just, you know, on
2: the down low. So as a Sikh woman, people go, you know, the conservative Sikhs, they'd say, yep, don't shave your body hair as a woman, um, but please don't show us your body hair. It's basically shaming and saying, you're bloody ugly, no one's going to marry you, so just hide it as long as possible.
3: The frustration over all these conflicting messages and double standards really started to add up for Sukjit.
1: So, shortly after those couple of weeks holed up in her bedroom, Sukjit decided it was time to enlist an ally.
2: I had this cool Sikh friend who shaved, and she was so beautiful. I remember looking at her and going, I want to look like that. She's got beautiful eyebrows, and she doesn't have hair on her body, and I want to look more like that. So one day told I said hey I really want to shave or I I didn't probably use the word shave because I didn't really know what that was but I think I said I want to I want to get rid of my hair and she goes oh um here's some options and she told me about the options and we came to the conclusion that using a silky mitt which was exfoliating glove was the easiest thing to hide
3: so Sukchi goes to the pharmacy with her cool friend and buys one
2: And I went home and I'm sitting on my blue like tiny bathroom, cold wet floor and like once a day I would get this silky mitt out and just start, it would take at least an hour. Like I'm not kidding you. I don't even know how I survived (laughs) doing that. It took so long. It was a very slow process and then all these little hairs would be scattered on the bathroom floor. And the first time I did that, I definitely felt guilty. I felt like what, 13 years worth of leg hair and my, my faith or my family or my values were just gone down the drain and I'd do anything to be cool and to be liked and to be considered feminine and that's what it took, so I did it. And then I remember going to school that next morning wearing my cool little short school skirt and feeling probably feminine or cool or popular. And the weird realisation was that those boys that were calling me things like Gorilla Girl or Hairy Leg Monster or whatever, that didn't stop. They saw Mm -hmm. that leg hair removed and I think it just gave them more power.
1: Still, she kept silky-mitting her underarm and leg hair away She kept hiding it from her family and those boys kept on berating her all the way through
2: high school. And I didn't really want to talk about it, so I smiled. I smiled for, like, five years and laughed and then got home and cried. And I didn't share that I was getting bullied to my family. People at school knew. But because I just smiled about it, they didn't know it was affecting me. They thought, oh, wow, such a
3: strong gal, doesn't let it affect (laughs) her. So brave. The one place she did feel safe was drama class. Like, at least there she could be whoever she wanted to be.
1: Then one day in 10th grade, Sukjit was on stage rehearsing and raised her
2: arms. One of my English teachers came up to me afterwards and he goes, hey, Sukjit, I noticed that you don't have armpit hair there. And he goes, don't Sikhs keep their hair? And I was (laughs) like, what?! This random white man <laughs> is telling me that I, I just felt so embarrassed that I wasn't practising my faith. in this random person at a time when no one really knew who Sikhs were, knew first of all that I was a Sikh and second of all that I wasn't meant to be shaving. And it kind of got me, all these little moments got me thinking, oh, what are you
1: doing, Sigjeet? By senior year, all of Sukchit's body hair secrets, the shame, the shaving, like all of those feelings she'd been carrying around privately, were
2: really starting to weigh her down. I started getting really, like, confused. Should I live my high school life and regret everything? Should I be miserable and look back on this time of my life and go, oh, that was a shit time. I wish it never happened. Or... Should I do something about it because I'm in control of my life and I've got the power to do something
3: and just try? We'll see which way she goes after the break. We're back with spoken word artist and advocate Sukjeet Kaur Khalsa. Okay, Caroline. So it's Sukjeet's
1: senior year of high school, and academics-wise, she has excelled. So it was kind of a shock to her principal when she marched into his office one day and says, look. I've spent this entire time being constantly shit on by those motherfucking bullies, and I need your help, dude. And, okay, she probably did not use those exact
3: words, but you get what I mean. Like, she was fed up. And, y'all, at this point, keep in mind, 26 boys had been regularly giving her shit. Yes, that's right, she counted. She also counted the number of fucks she gave at this point, and it tallied up to zero.
1: So, she asked the principal if she can arrange a private meeting with those 26 six bullies. She's like, I've got a couple of thoughts I want to share with them. (laughs) And the principal is like, uh, are you sure about that? But eventually he
2: agrees. Like, how could he say no to a star student? These boys had no idea why they got called by the principal. So they had this little little slip of paper and it was a typed note and it said, you know, uh, please come to this classroom at whatever o'clock. It's a serious, urgent matter, and if you do not, you won't be allowed to go to the Spring Fling.
1: Now, the Spring Fling was the dance event of the school year. Not being allowed to go would really be a big
2: deal. There was, like, so much buzz around the school. It was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's it going to (gasps) be? What have we done? Well, cool, could it be sick? Then the day of the meeting arrived. I remember walking in and the the tables were arranged in like an exam format, like, you know, like single table, like it was all very formal and all of them were sitting there snickering and they were like laughing. As soon as I walked in, they started laughing and they were like, oh, this is hilarious. This is what this is about. And they started doing like the little bullying shit and then I was like, oh, God, what have I done? Anyways, the principal introduced me. And I pulled out a speech outlining what they were doing, questioning why they were doing it, where they were doing it, how they were doing it, and how it made me feel. Surprise! Welcome to Cheat's TED Talk, bitches. I didn't know it was going to be 45 minutes. I thought it was just going to be a five-minute thing. But when I started speaking, I just thought I was Obama, like I was doing this massive thing. And you know, as cliche as it is, I felt this massive weight just release me and I felt so light. It's like I'd been carrying this heavy burden for the last four years and now I got to speak my truth. By the end of her speech, Sukjit was crying and blubbering. And then I looked up and these boys were crying and my teachers were crying and, like, the most pin-drop silence moment but then the two leaders of this bullying stuff they were sinking so deep in their chairs like I could only just see a head hovering on a table and they were red in their face it was so red and at the end of this speech I was like okay I'm not gonna ask for an apology if you don't mean it but I deserve an apology and I would like you to say something now and then all these guys, you know, they started saying things like, we didn't know how bad it was affecting you. We totally respect what you've done. We can't believe that it takes, like, one of you to talk to, like, all of us, like 26 of us. Like, we're just kind of in shock right now. It was a, it was a weird day at my school. <laughs> it, was, it was a very weird day. <laughs> Sukjeet had faced one of
3: her biggest fears, her bullies, head on. Then my
2: next thing is questioning within myself: Am I shaving for me, or am I shaving mm. for them? And that's when I realised I was doing it for them.
1: So was that kind of the day, as you've uh, you've described it?
2: I think in a, a blog post I was reading is like the day you became the lioness. Yes, that is the day I became a lioness. That's the first day. I learned what a call actually means and why I'm here. So cool fact, y'all, Sikh women are technically lionesses.
1: Yeah, Caroline, all Sikh women share the surname Kaur, which translates to lioness. And even after Sukhjeet epically confronted her high school
3: tormentors, she did not stop roaring. Oh, hell no. Later that year, Sukhjeet headed to Australia's youth parliament to tell the story of confronting those bullies. And y'all, by the end, she had him crying, too. After accepting my hair,
2: my identity for what it, what it is... Staring at Here's a right clip of
3: that speech face. from
1: YouTube, and uh, please disregard the inspo soundtrack playing in the background.
2: As a lioness. It's time to stand up, youth parliamentarians. It's time to stand up and face our fears. It's time to stand up and discover the courage we never thought we had. It's time to stand up for change, to a positive revolution, a revolution that we as young people can be a part of. If I can do it, so can you. And after that, that video went viral and I got these emails from strangers all over the world, whether they were Sikh or not, and these were adults. It was barely any kids that emailed. It was all adults who were in their 40s, in their 50s and were just like, so emotional. It was the biggest eye-opening exercise for me to realize that if I don't deal with it there and then, I will hold on to it for a long time. So now I've learned how to practice dealing with my shit there and then.
3: At this point, Sukji was feeling ready to let it go and let it grow and return to keeping cash, But she wasn't just magically like bursting with head-to-toe self-confidence all of a sudden.
1: Yeah, so she decided to kind of test the hairy waters after high school graduation when she
2: and some friends went on holiday to Singapore. I said, if I can survive the humid temperature of Singapore and not remove my body hair and wear whatever I want and expose my body at a beach with a bikini, with my pubes sticking out, I think I can survive Australian heat.
3: This was the turning point for Cheat. She started letting all her hair grow and keeping cash.
2: She headed
1: off to college without razors or silky mitts and very much to her surprise, keeping Keshe attracted positive attention on campus. All these
2: feminists were like, oh, wow, you're so cool. You've got body hair. And I started getting applause. I'd walk down the street, feel amazing, get these compliments, go to parties. would be wearing my short skirts with hairy legs and people be like, oh, my God, so brave, so
3: brave. For Suk-jit, this felt awesome at first. After years of facing judgment, now she was finally getting praised for her hairiness. But after college, Sukjit
2: realized that validation was a little complicated. I went to a university that was very white and elite. So all the feminists and the discussions of feminism in that university was so privileged, was so white, was so tokenistic and, like, I've realised that people actually don't want to hear what I've got to say. They want to hear what they want me to say. Like, oh, yeah, poor me, I'm brown. I come from a culture that's fucked. Thank you so much for, like, embracing me and my poor, poor Indian butt. Like, no. It's actually not that way. Like, I feel like my faith, which is like 500 years old, was practicing feminism before any other fucking white person was. (laughs) And yet I'm meant to, like, be grateful that I'm being accepted. As Sukjit came into
1: her own politically, she started channeling the energy into her new passion, spoken word poetry.
3: And this woman obviously has the gift of gab because she'd made it to the finals of the National Australian Poetry Slam by the time she graduated college. When we come back, Cheat takes that gift of gab.
1: On Australia's got talent.
3: <music> We're back with Lioness Cheat Korakalsa.
1: It's 2016, and one day, Sookjeet gets an email from Australia's Got Talent asking her to audition. She thinks they saw a video of hers on YouTube. And listen, reality TV wasn't really her jam, but one of Sookjeet's friends encouraged
3: her to, like, give it a try because, hey, maybe she could talk about Sikh issues. So Sookjeet decides, sure, why not? Next thing she knows, she's performing an anti-racist poem on national television.
2: So when people tell me and my family to go home to where we came from, I reply with a smile, tongue-in-cheek, mate, we've been right at home for the past 150 years. I'm not the one that's a freak. I'm fully sick. That first poem was a fluke. Like, the fact that it made it on national television is still, like, a baffling thought because I thought... Like the only reason why I felt confident doing that was because I knew it wouldn't make it. I knew this was too ridiculous for this country to confront its racism. So I thought, no, it's not going to happen, so we'll just do it. We'll just be hilarious. And then when it made it, I was like, oh, no. I have to make... But it,
1: I it to, went viral, though, I to know. be clear. Like, it didn't <laughs> just I get know.
2: on television. <laughs> no, there was like... And it was weird. Like, all the Sikhs and Indians or even white Aussie people were like, yeah, 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 we love her. We love her. Wow, she's doing this thing about race. This is interesting. This is refreshing.
1: Sookjeet's performance sparked a national conversation around racism in Australia. Like,
3: not just on TV. In one interview, Sukjeet said that the whole experience was like what 1% of Beyoncé's life must be, you know, if Beyoncé was Indian, a core, and living in Australia. <laughs> so probably still fabulous. <laughs> Sukjeet made it
1: to the next round of Australia's Got Talent. And by this time, she was a national sensation. And not only is the whole country watching, but also
3: a ton of Sikhs around the world. So she decides to up the ante even more to do a poem that was close to her heart, something that she had struggled with her whole life, her body hair. Now, there's not great
1: audio of this performance online, but basically she gets up in short shorts and a tank top and delivers this poem all about the bullying bullshit she'd put up with over the years
3: and how now she doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks. At the end of her poem, she raises her arms all the way and shows off her dark, full pit hair.
2: A lioness is a lioness not a kitten and my mane will remain my
3: Now remember, this performance was a very public display of body hair. Yeah,
1: and going into it, she says she was totally mentally prepared to get plenty of douchebag comments from typical internet trolls, the kind who would respond to any woman showing off her hairiness in public. But what she wasn't expecting was the amount of hostility she received from within the Sikh community, specifically from Sikh men. So like one guy wrote on Facebook, you are a cancer to South Asians. Maybe you wouldn't be judged if you fucking shaved your armpits like any normal hygienic girl.
3: One of Sukhjeet's uncles even wrote to her saying, if you're going to wear shorts, you had better shave.
2: You'd think Sikh people would be like, oh, wow, hairy role model, we're so excited. Unfortunately, it was like the most scariest and most traumatic experience of my life.
1: The feedback was tough for her to hear, of course, but it wasn't out of nowhere. Srikjit recognizes that despite the gender equality inherent to Sikhism – That doesn't change the fact that she's still living in a patriarchy with all of its sexist double standards.
2: I remember just a couple of years ago, my brother got married and we were at like a picnic um, after the wedding and I changed into like a a Western dress that had like a slit and one of my family members goes, So G, we can see your legs? And can you please close that? Can you please fix that slit? And in that moment, that ruined my day. And no one knows this yet. Like I've never shared that with anyone. But that made me feel so fucking shamed because a girl next to me who fucking shaves her hair, shaves her leg hair, Mm. could walk around in a fucking bikini and no one's fucking telling her, oh, could you just like cover up a bit? I just, and the, the way that they said it was just so like, oh, like embarrassed for me. And that's what makes me so angry when people get embarrassed for me. Like, I'm not embarrassed. No need to get embarrassed for me.
3: So while Sukhchit's public display of body hair definitely attracted plenty of haters, it also attracted plenty of admirers too. Like, we found Sookjeet because another Sikh woman, an unladylike listener named Lokpreet, was super inspired by her performance and her cash pride. So
2: how does it feel to be, like, a body hair role model in your community? I mean, to be honest, like, it makes you feel kind of awkward now because, you know, when you've dealt with something within yourself, mm-hmm. um, you feel
3: like, oh, I've dealt with this. Why is the world not caught up? Sookjeet's performance was almost two years ago. Since then, she's done a lot of talks about hair for groups of Sikh girls and school kids. But she's kind of ready for the world to not need token hairy role models anymore.
1: In the meantime, Sookjeet is determined to tame her
2: shame and not stay quiet about it. This hair is just going to keep on growing. And it doesn't matter what I do to my body. People are always going to have an opinion on it. So why don't I just do what's comfy for me? And what became comfy for me was not to hide, was actually just to be proud of my identity and just to be proud of like my skin. And I look down and I see these leg hairs and now they're a symbol. Now they're a reminder of what I've been through, what I've been through with this body at the most vulnerable time of our lives. And I go, wow, if you can survive that, and that now reminds you that you got to accept yourself, mate. You got to accept yourself because no one else is going to do that for you.
1: So, uh, our very last question um, What,
2: Sukhjeet, is the most unladylike thing about you? The most unladylike thing about me is my persona on stage when I perform in front of certain audiences, more mainstream audiences, the feedback that I get or the facial and body language reactions that I get is just a bit of shock, that how dare this brown, Indian, hairy girl stand up on stage with the confidence of a white male? Like why does she do that? I think that's, that's my own thing and as a kid I think I always wanted to be Like a straight Aussie white guy, because then I stopped giving a fuck about how feminine I feel in that situation. Should I dumb myself down? Never dumb yourself down. Like just stuff like that, that I used to do because I wanted boys to like me. But now it's just like
1: swinging my dick around.
2: (laughs) Swinging my dick around and letting my ball sack just really touch the floor.
1: Oh, that is the perfect... I I can't think of a better line to
2: end our interview. (laughs) (laughs) Bullsack. Doesn't every podcast end with that?
3: So, Kristen, after three episodes about body hair, talking about the context around why we do what we do, why do we choose what we do, I think something that our guests and today Sukjeet in particular have really given to us is this gift of valuing finding your own way finding your own way through all of those expectations
1: and who are we to ever you know project how we think our bodies should appear onto other bodies
3: yeah like why would we need to guilt anyone or tell anyone how they should be about their body hair right So we wanna thank all of you. We heard from so many of you whose voices we did not get to include in this episode. We so appreciate you sharing your stories. Yeah, I hope that it was as cathartic
1: as it came across from listeners who were sharing some body hair secrets with us for the very first time, because really breaking the silence, I think, is the most important part of all of this. It's not about the end result, but really, are we talking about this? We don't have to carry all this stuff around alone in private in our bathrooms. Now we can just email about it. Or we can talk about it in the private unladylike Facebook group, Caroline.
3: that's right and don't forget that you can email us at hello at unladylike.co or find us on all the social medias at unladylike media and trust me as i was answering y'all's responses on instagram last night at like midnight i know you've already found us and while you're at instagram make sure that you see the amazing illustrations that our friends at miss gloria have made for this body hair series and make
1: sure you check out our website for all of our sources and resources you can also find our merch we've got a sale going on right now and be sure to sign up for our newsletter where you'll get actually good news yes it still kind of fucking happens about women in the world delivered to your inbox every Wednesday and you can find it all at unladylike.co Nora Ritchie produced this episode Abigail Keel is a senior producer of Unladylike Gianna Palmer is our story editor Ash Sanders and Ali Delianis transcribe our tape Our music is by Flamingo Shadow, Amit May Cohen and Sarah Tudson Mixing, sound design and additional music is by Casey Holford Our executive producers are Chris
3: Bannon and Daisy Rosario
1: Special thanks to Lockpreet
3: Core for pointing us to Sukjeet in the first place and to Daria Salomon for help with recording We are your hosts, Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin Next week, we're introducing you to my new therapist. But I remember my dad having to like hold me as I sobbed and said, it's not mental math for me. Oh my god, this sounds so
1: horrible. (laughs) Your math therapist, that is. We're investigating why so many women, like Caroline, carry math baggage with them for life
3: and how to let it go. And y'all, if you can't wait until next week for more on Ladylike, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Every Wednesday, we release a brand new pep talk, and tomorrow, Anne and Amina, hosts of Call Your Girlfriend, are helping us get pepped about making friends as a grown person. Go to stitcher.com premium and use the code unladylike for a month of free listening. And make sure you're subscribed to Unladylike in Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. And remember, got a problem? Get Unladylike. My mustache is really coming in thick this summer. Stroking it like I'm Tom Selleck. (laughs) Stitcher.